0: To Trek Companion. This is episode 78. I'm your host, Brian Williams. I am Adam Caesar.
1: I'm Stephen Embry.
0: And on today, a special Thanksgiving episode. (laughs) If you're you're in the United States, we're going to be posting this on Thanksgiving. I hope you're uh, enjoying some turkey or maybe listening to us while you're in a long line for Black Friday or something. Uh, And of course, everyone else around the world, I hope you also get to eat turkey. Uh, today, we're discussing Reunion, Future Imperfect,
1: and Final Mission from NextGen's fourth season. Here we go. Reunion, season four, episode seven, production number 181. Original air date, November 5th, 1990. Directed by Jonathan Frakes. Story by Drew Dagan thomas perry and joe perry teleplay by thomas perry joe perry ronald d moore and brandon braga music composed by ron jones guest casts include susie Plaxen as kaylar robert o'reilly as galron patrick massette as duras charles cooper as kim peck john paul stewart as alexander Roshenko, michael ryder as security guard april grace as transporter technician basil wallace as klingon guard one and miran e willis as klingon guard two <laughs> Kalar, a Klingon ambassador, requests permission to come aboard
2: the Enterprise to speak with Picard. Worf is asked to greet Kalar, his former lover, but when she materializes accompanied by a young Klingon boy, Worf is noticeably affected. When she meets with Picard, Kalar informs him that she has come because Kempek, the dying Klingon leader, wishes to speak with him. Picard boards the Klingon ship, and Kimpek requests his help in arbitra- arbitrating the power struggle between his two potential successors. He knows nothing of our ways.
0: Our ways? You mean Klingon ways, don't you?
2: He is Klingon. He is also my son, and I am half human. He will find his own ways. Why the sudden concern? You won't even acknowledge
0: that he's yours. Why
1: did you not tell me?
0: And what would you have done? Okay, Reunion. Um, an episode that uh, was as good as I remembered it. So much happens in this episode, my god. Mm-hmm. You've yeah. got, you got uh, obviously, the biggest thing. Kalar dies, Kempek dies, Duras dies, Worf has a kid.
1: <laughs>
0: it's, <laughs> it's crazy, you know. Galron's um,
1: first episode. Yeah, yes. Galron's
0: first appearance. How could I believe that out? Yeah. Um, Gosh, I don't even know where to begin. I'll make somebody else do it. <laughs> Steve, what do you think?
1: Well, I think what's what's so interesting about this, this as a Trek fan and as a um, as a fan of continuity in TV in general, you know, which Next Gen doesn't have a great deal of, but this is a good example of these shows that connect over time. You know, over like one or two of these kinds of things, a season, you get to see the the uh, the saga go on of uh, Worf, and so he's he's. Um, been rejected by the empire, the, and uh, now you know we've we've seen his we've seen Kalar in the past. Now here's the ramifications, and now how's this? Now what's going to happen next, and the politics and stuff. And I think I enjoy these kinds of episodes more now than I did when they originally aired. I think I would maybe you know appreciate the nuances and the um, the story more than in the past. I might have been more looking for you know the the cheap thrills and the action or something. You know so.
2: Yeah I kind of I I kind of agree with Steve. I kind of enjoy them too and I think that's just because um we've all seen all the episodes so we know where these where the characters are going to go and where they ultimately, you know, end their their journey in the the Trek saga, so it's cool to just come back, especially after we just got finished watching Deep Space Nine a year or so ago. Um, we got to see where Worf ended up, and so it's we've talked about this before. Getting to see his beginnings and where all these storylines began, and um, and where they continue on into Deep Space Nine. So um, I, I thoroughly enjoyed this episode as well. And I when I first started watching it, I'm like, is this a two-parter? I can't remember if this is going to be a two-parter or not. And then, I'm like, then when I got to the next episode, I'm like, no, it's not.
0: <laughs> well, it's interesting. You know, this is one of those episodes where I'm, I'm fascinated with, with you know how it compares. Watching it now with you know uh, when it first aired, or even years ago. And so, I mean, Steve, you mentioned that in a different way that you kind of can, can watch and enjoy this now. Um, there's, there are a few. There aren't many. Like you said, there aren't there aren't many kind of ongoing story threads in Next Gen, mm-hmm. but you know you've got the borg that's a significant one um but uh Warfs is is in many ways the most interesting you know um maybe it's maybe it's because i know it's going to carry through into ds9 and um it, it's it's for example watching this episode now post ds9 even mm-hmm. um man, the heartbreak, whenever, whenever a Kalar, he, he walks in there, I'm glad we don't see her die, by the way, but mm-hmm. he walks in there and sees her, her dead, and I'm just thinking, God, he, mm-hmm. he can't get a break, you know? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. He, there's, there's two, the loves of his life, we've, we see them both die, What mm-hmm. you know, her, her, Kalar here in Next Gen, and then Jedzia on, on DS9, um, and who can you say that about, other than that, I mean, even one, you know, person, um, So it's, there's never been any character in Star Trek that's had such an opportunity uh, for the character to be examined as we get with Worf. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's just as interesting here, almost 20 years uh, ago, you know, it's just as interesting here in one of the relatively early uh, Worf bits.
1: Um, So, yeah. Yeah. I think it's a credit to, well, the writing and the actress that there's such a, you know, there's such chemistry and a bond between Worf and Kalar that their second, her second second appearance, it can feel so startling that she dies, you know. Yeah. Well, Susie Plaxon, I mean, she's great.
0: She's, she does, you know, she's done many roles on Star Trek, but I, I don't think that any of them were as perfect for her as, as mm-hmm. Kalar. Yeah. You know, and there was a lot of, there were a lot of people that were upset. Uh, when KLR was killed. Mm -hmm. Uh, um, Because she was, for for a character that was only on one episode, she was an incredibly popular character. Um, On one hand, you're lucky that somebody, I mean, how often do they bring anybody back? Um, But, on the other hand, I don't think they ever really, I like, on the Blu-rays, there's a commentary track with um, uh, Ron Moore and Brandon Baraga. This was, by the way, this was Brandon Baraga's first Mm-hmm. actual writing assignment in Star Trek so that's kind of a big deal since he's going to go on to be the most prolific uh, Star Trek writer for mm-hmm. episodes, you know um, I don't think there was ever any serious it doesn't sound like there was ever any serious consideration of not killing her um, because to them that this th- that is is what brought all the drama in the episode together I mean, without that you couldn't have Worf confronting Duras to the death anyway mm-hmm. um, which I mean I hate to skip right to it but that's something else I'd really like to talk about on one hand it's incredibly ultra cool <laughs> mm-hmm. to see Worf just Kalar is dead I do the death scream I force Alexander to look I go get my bath lift and I go kill Duras mm-hmm. you know I, I love that
2: my favorite part of that scene is when Data and Riker open up the door and just the looks on their face. <laughs> <Does> <laughs> <laughs> the
0: cap. Yep, he's dead. <laughs> yep. Um, that dude is dead. I, I love that. I love that story point. I love that he does that. Um, but on the other hand, that is almost just as shocking to me as, as KLR's dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, because what could be less... Starfleet, you know what could be less human? Um, I mean, I'm going to rephrase that. What could be less that ideal place that Gene Roddenberry Star Trek says humans are going to become? You know, I mean, this mm-hmm. is just this is this is base vengeance, plain and simple. You know, um, and Klingon justice. It is Klingon justice. So, uh, so I guess that's what I'm saying is we haven't seen. I can't. I can't really think of any examples. Where where we can, where we've defined this alien culture to such an extent, where even the captain of the Enterprise, you know, I mean, I, the captain of the Enterprise has to respect it. Mm-hmm. Uh, us, we, the viewers of Star Trek, we have to respect it. I think that's hard to do, um, but I think it's ballsy and impressive that they forced that on us. I mean, did that ever, did that ever strike you guys as like, holy crap, I can't believe. He really went there, you know.
1: I think originally, yeah, I think it was. Um, I think I think what's so impressive too about the the writing in this world they created is that you know we you know episode in episode out we see you know we're usually we're on the ship where it's all about Starfleet it's from that perspective but in this one episode by the time you get to those points where there's her death and and you know you telling Alexander you need to see death and then going to kill him and it's all like that's what's supposed to happen. You totally buy it and you believe it and feel that's the right thing. And it seems like, like you mentioned the scene with Riker and Data coming on and watching, it seems like they're the they're the outsiders. They're, they're not part of this world. They're witnessing this. And, and you, as your viewer, feel like this is the world you're in for this episode. You're in the Klingon world and you're cool with that, even though every other episode practically is you're in Starfleet's world.
0: But I like this idea that it's impossible for us to completely identify with them.
1: Yeah, because they're not
0: human. You no, know, I like this idea that they take it just one tiny step too far, almost, And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that um, yeah. we are forced to just to just be Klingon in that moment to have that empathy. Sure. Caesar? Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't think it really bothered
2: me that I don't recall it bothering me that much. You know, 20 years or so ago, it definitely didn't bother me this time because it's that it's not like Worf goes over there and just murders him in cold blood. So I think if they would have done something like that, that you know, if we would have come over there and just like stabbed him in the back or something, that would have been way too far. I mean, it is an honorable fight; they're both fighting to the death. So it's almost it. it to me, it almost felt like a, a you know something that you would see as, as a duel, you know, that's both agreed upon. Um, so I didn't this didn't necessarily bother me. Um, from a, a Star Trek point of view, because I, maybe that's just because we—I know, you know—it's hindsight, 2020. I know how the Klingons are, so but I can't recall it bothering me even back when it aired.
0: Yeah, it's—I it, mean, it's just this surprise to me that—I mean, it's—it's it's not a surprise that he would stay true to his Klingon self, you know. It's just—it is a surprise that it's kind of un-Star Trek,
1: mm-hmm. you know? mm-hmm.
0: At least at this point in Star Trek, I, I, I don't know. Um, but I love that it happens. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think yeah. It's cool. I think it's in in a way it's it's the most memorable thing about the episode to me is is, is Worf's rage, yeah. his justified rage, um, his Klingon rage. Uh, uh, so Galeron, first appearance. Oh wait, wait. We've obviously oh, wait. had some discussions about him from DS Nine, but.
2: Hey, real quick, Brian. I did. It, I. I wouldn't. I would say this isn't. Qu- that scene wasn't. Isn't quite unprecedented. We did see a fight to the death between Kirk and Spock, based on social values and morale. You know that kind of thing. So, I wouldn't uh, say it's like the first time it's ever
0: happened.
1: Like in a mock time. You're yeah. Different. Yeah. Hmm.
0: Okay. Yeah, I'll give you that. Um, okay. Yeah. You know. I mean, uh, Spock is going through something physical uh, which causes him to act out of character in a way, but but you're right in that it's it's still, it's still something that's integral to the Vulcan mm-hmm. culture. Yeah. Um, and of course, it's lightened by the fact that uh, Kirk doesn't really die, but... Yeah, it's um, not quite as heavy.
2: Plus, we like Kirk so, and Spock. We don't really Vulcan like him. Yeah,
0: I think that's just a fair comparison, the difference in culture. Uh, I'm assuming neither one of you guys had any concept that Garron was going to become who he would become. I mean, such a significant, such a force of nature as a Klingon.
1: Right.
2: I'm still shocked by his eyes. You know, even, you know, <laughs> a zillion times, it's the first time I'm just like, God, his eyes are just, just out there <laughs> every time. Yeah, they
0: really bug out. But it's <laughs> something about the Klingon makeup that I think makes him bug out even more.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like he
0: doesn't have any eyelids. But it's cool to me that he's he's going to be galron a lot and this is the first time we see him see robert o'reilly play a klingon like this and um it's all there
1: yeah and, yeah
0: you know even the way he speaks everything about the character i mean it's, it's there mm-hmm. yeah. i don't see much he's
2: yeah. a politician he's kind of a kind of a sleazy politician we get that kind of view of him as well so
1: yeah I mean, you know, there's a chance he would go on, you know, there's pretty, a pretty good chance he'd go on to do more things because of Duras' death, but it's not like in the episode they establish, oh, let's crown Galeron. you know, it's not, there's no, there's no moment like that, so it's not like you have this feel in the episode that, oh, we're going to see a whole lot of Galeron going forward, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, I I, I want to mention score who who did the score steve i don't know if you uh
1: ron jones ron jones ron jones
0: darn it i hate it when i I like a score that's from ron jones (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i love the score in this episode i think it's really really great i I really noticed it in a positive way Uh, i wish that ron jones box set wasn't so expensive even though (laughs) i don't like liking his music but it's good the music in this episode is fantastic and i needed to mention it uh alexander we got to mention him very quickly um it's pretty crazy k shows up with a kid. <laughs> I love that they don't immediately address it, that they take a while to kind of... Yeah, yeah. Get, yeah. It's kind of cool. Um, it makes it fun to watch, even when you already know all the answers. Um,
2: yeah, Everybody gets a son in these episodes <laughs> that we talk about today.
0: <laughs> um, another thing I got out of that commentary, I, I'd always kind of wondered if if it was just a given to them that Alexander was not going to be on the ship, and apparently it was, and they said, I think he said, um, Ron Moore said nobody wanted to see Worf being Mr. Mom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Okay, I can see that, but it cheated it a little bit to me, and then at the end of it, you know, it's like, here's my son, ship him away. You know, it seems a little bit... I don't know, it it, it, it cheapens the character of Worf a little bit, even though it serves the overall greater good for the show it doesn't seem like what the character would do mm-hmm. um, on the other hand it's going to give them some dramatic you know um, ammunition in the future uh, a lot of daddy
2: a lot of father-son issues were going to have to work yeah out there. because
0: of that um, but you know what do you think of this this concept i tell you the most memorable visual thing from this episode isn't has nothing to do with um, Jaras getting killed or Kylar getting killed. It's that shot in the uh, in the hallway where the camera the, the doll it's like cameras like doling back and Worf and, and Alexander's walking next to Worf and he's like look like Worf is like you know at the Empire State Building yeah <laughs> and little bitty Alexander's like looking up and the camera's like really low, low so that you get this real sense of The giant above little bitty Alexander. I love that that Mm -hmm. shot. It's 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 humorous. Um, uh, You know they're going to change actors when as soon as Alexander comes back, Um, for the better I think. But you know this little guy does okay. Yeah. Um, But you guys have any thoughts about? I don't know. Did it seem like? um, Did it seem like it was a valid thing to introduce this character and then ship him away? that ever bug you, like it seemed to bug me?
1: I don't remember being bugged at the time. I, I guess it didn't occur to me much. And then, of course, now I, I know what, what's going to happen, so I kind of just take it for granted, I suppose. But I can see where you're coming from. Um, yeah, I, I can see the difficulties and why they made that choice, certainly. you know?
2: Yeah, they kind of wrote themselves into a corner with that. I mean, you know, I think Ron Moore was right when he said, you know, nobody really wants to see Worf be a, you know, Mr. Mom. So what you know, kind of what choice did they really have? Um, you know, it just kind of is what it is. And then uh, you know, they kind of cor- they correct that later on when Alexander comes back. What is it, season five or six?
1: Some time like that, I think. Yeah.
2: You know, and then he becomes. You know, he be kind of becomes the the Wesley Crusher.
1: <laughs> sort of.
0: Um last thing I want to mention is uh, I do like... It's easy to forget about all the the great Picard stuff in this episode. But especially that scene between Picard and Kempak. I love, love that scene. It's a great scene. I, lo- mm-hmm. I love that Kempec is like, they've killed me by poisoning the wine. He says that as he's still drinking the wine. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: That is so awesome. That is so clean so, on. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the Picard stuff, it, it really in many ways, this episode feels more like a direct sequel to Sins of the Father than mm-hmm. it does The Emissary. Yeah, I uh, think so too. But, um, yeah. It makes it... And Anyway, I just didn't want to let Picard's and Stuart's stuff go by without mentioning it. Uh, what's this episode about, guys? It's
2: about a lot. It's hard to specifically mm-hmm. say, you know, exactly what it's about. You, know, um, you could say it's about becoming um, becoming a father. That's one thing you could say it's about. Um, it's about um, responsibilities of power. I don't, you know, there was a lot of things that you could have just gone in, gone in, and said that what this episode's about. It's got a lot of different kind of themes going on. We talked about, you know, there's the Klingon political aspect of it. There's Wars family thing. There's you know, death and loss. Um, so there's a little bit of everything. From my point of view, that you could t- you could have taken from this episode.
1: Yeah, I, I, it's uh, I had struggled with this a little bit too. I mean, I'm really fond of this episode, but I do struggle a bit in, in narrowing it down to some single theme. Obviously, there's something there with with how he's affected by becoming a father and those responsibilities. What sticks out to me most is the the Klingon culture aspects. You know, like the the being true to your culture. I mean. Pretty consistently, Wharf is chooses to be true to his heritage and his culture when he's faced with that kind of choice. Although he's always having to straddle that line, but so you have him making those choices, and and then of course Duros consistently uh, making other choices. You know, like as they say, engaging in subterfuge and things that are without honor. And I don't know. I think it's the notion of, of being true to one's culture and uh, and so on There's, to some extent. That's what strikes me.
0: Yeah, and you could you could make the argument that Kaler is making some of those same kind of choices too. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, yeah, by that. Alright, guys. Let's move on to six degrees for reunion. Um Adam. Yes. Robert O'Reilly makes his first of many appearances as Gowron in his last appearance as Gowron in the DS9 episode, Tacking Into the Wind he will meet the same fate as Durast in this episode, Death by wharf. In what, ep- uh, in what year did that episode air? What year?
1: In or what, what year,
0: In what year did Tacking into the Wind air? Um, the episode where Gowron is killed by wharf. That'd
2: be 1999?
0: You are correct. It was 1999. Uh, okay. May, if we wanted to be specific. Steve, Mm-hmm. Susie Plaxen returns as Kalar in this her second and final appearance as the character. Her first appearance, The Emissary, aired in what year?
1: Hmm. Is it um, okay? So you want the year? <laughs> All right. Um, yeah. Trying to do something a little different because I think <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I make it a little tougher. It's cool. Eighty-eight.
0: Um, no, and that's. I think it's too close for the other option. So I will not give Adam the other option. It
1: would have been eighty-nine. Yeah. Mm. Uh, June of 89. Alright, one nothing. moving on. Future Imperfect, Season 4, Episode 8. Production number 182. Original air date, November twelfth, 1990. Directed by Les Landau. Written by J. Larry Carroll and David Bennett Caron. Music composed by Dennis McCarthy. Guest cast include Andreas Katsoulis as Tomalak, Chris Dimitri as Jean-Luc and Ethan, Carolyn McCormick as Minuet, Patty Yasutaki as Alyssa Agawa, Todd Merrill as Gleason, April Grace as Hubble, George O'Hanlon Jr. as transporter chief, and Dana Juandar as Barash.
2: When Data receives strange energy readings from an uninhabited planet near the neutral zone, Picard suspects Romulans and sends an away team led by Riker to investigate. When communications break down and conditions worsen, the mission is aborted. After passing out, Riker awakens in sickbay to a graying Dr. Crusher, who tells him that he is recovering from a retroactive virus he contracted during that same mission 16 years ago, a virus that destroys all of his memory from the moment he was infected. What is the last thing that you remember clearly?
1: Alpha Onias Three. The Enterprise had been probed. Geordie Worf and I transported down to track the source.
0: But all you found there
2: was toxic gas. They barely had time to get the three of you out. Will, that happened sixteen years ago.
0: It's funny. I always remember. I always remember this episode. Um, but it always takes me a minute to kind of remember the day. it always takes me a minute to remember. Oh, it's the kid and the. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it is a great setup. You know. I mean, in um, in prepping for this one, I, I think it was Brandon Braga was talking about. Because, you know, people would come in, outside writers, they would invite them in to to pitch. You know, when you do a story pitch, it's just, you sum it up very briefly, you know, a few sentences at most. And, uh, most, 99% of the time, my pillar or, or one of the writers, whoever's taking the pitch, they're like, you know, pass, 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 no, no interest. Keep going. Next, what else you got? What else you got? Mm -hmm. That's what they usually said. Yeah. What else you got? What else you got? Uh, and I think I've mentioned before the story about that Voyager episode where I it just always stuck with me where the writer talked about. Um he said, I was walking into his office, I was walking to the chair to sit down, and I said, um, a transporter accident, um the doctor's 29th century hollow uh, you know, um hollow emitter, whatever what was that thing called. Um Gets fused with Borg technology from seven of nine, and there's a 29th century Borg or something to that effect. Right. But he just said a couple sentences of that, and 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 whoever was taking the pitch said so <laughs> before, before he sat down in his chair. You know, yeah. which is pretty awesome. Well, this one I uh, remember. Bra- Braga was talking about someone came in and and you know this this cup these two guys, and they said um, so Riker wakes up, and he's. Forgotten the last fifteen years, and he's captain of the Enterprise, you know. And they're like, "Sold." <laughs> <laughs> what you think about, well, that is a really cool. It is a really cool yeah. setup.
1: Yeah, uh-huh. it's a
0: really, really cool setup. You're like, "Holy crap!" In, in addition to just the immediacy of "Holy crap," um, it's also really fun to see him walking around and everything's, you know, well, sixteen years later. It's really cool to see all these little touches. You know, you you're. It's fun to like, oh, look at the communicators or his hair or um what ha- what happened to this character or this character you know look look who's look where Worf is sitting I don't know it's it's just it's fun to just slightly mess with everything um and that's all that's the stuff you get after the oh crap <laughs> what's going on it's <laughs> fun too so it's just a it's just a fun episode to watch and it and it remains so even after you know
1: uh,
0: exactly what's gonna happen because you've watched it a million times you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um. You know, What are your guys' first thoughts on this one?
2: Um, I, You know, it's kind of funny. I'm, I'm watching it. And I'm <laughs> I'm watching it and I'm going, you know, I, how is he still in command? And then, like, these little questions get answered as they go on because later on he's like, um, I'm not fit to command. So, like, the, the questions that I kind of had about the episode as it's rolling out because I'm kind of thinking it's not going to be as good as it's going to – that I think it's going to be or that I remember it's going to be. Um, and it actually is. It 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 holds true. Um, I wouldn't say this is like, oh my gosh, one of the best episodes ever. But it is fun. It is kind of. Um, it's a it's a fun kind of story to kind of think about and look at. It, it kind of gets a little farcical towards the end, but I think that's kind of what they were they were looking to do. Um, um,
0: yeah, I- it, it breaks up a little. You know, the fun of it all. Um, mm-hmm. It it starts to fall apart kind of near the. End the end and, and I, I think that in a way it can't do anything but that it's it, it yeah, yeah you know once you explain it it's not it's not going to be as cool and fun as the setup it's just, it's just no chance it's like best of both worlds part one versus best of both worlds part mm-hmm. two you know there was no chance part two was going to be as good as one yeah. um but
2: but I think that was you, the, know. you know where were they going to go with it they kind of had that's you know it's kind of the the dream within the dream sequence when you figure it out type thing you know it just kind of got a little goofy there at the end well, uh, but it wasn't cool a big did. deal it's necessary yeah. in a way because there yeah, is yeah. Su-
0: such a personal level of just like even, even like you like, like you Adam I'm watching it and I'm, th- and I'm thinking certain things and then they're explained you know like yeah. I'm also thinking um, wait if they're able to probe his mind to that level of detail sure as heck they should know where Outpost 23 is uh-huh. Right. and Riker says that and and uh, <laughs> we get that explained you know, it makes sense. The, the actual explanation makes sense. Well, he, the kid probably would have. He just, that was, that was the drama and the narrative that he was employing to keep his uh, story going. Um, so, I mean, it makes sense. Um, Steve?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I like this. Okay, I think it's fun because of the, you know, the, the possibilities you see and so on. Um, I, I don't know what's more awkward looking, I guess you get used to, or is Data in a red uniform or Worf sitting in the ops chair. You know, <laughs> he looks like he's like, uh, just like touch typing like he doesn't, really can't type, you know, and just do fingers and he's yeah, like leaned over. He it, can't and, He's
0: too big. Yeah. He's too yeah, big. Yeah. He doesn't really <laughs> fit there. It's like shoved in.
2: <laughs> hey, maybe you guys can tell me this since you saw it on the Blu-ray. Is Data's uniform like a touch more red or is it on the, a little bit more on the maroon side? I don't know. Just, I think it's his, his
0: flesh—it's his weird flesh tone. It makes it yeah. pop out more. I don't know. But but I think that's what makes work? it so makes you feel uncomfortable seeing that red. That's one of the many reasons it doesn't it just doesn't work on him.
1: You know? <laughs> I'm sure in this uh, alternate hypothetical future, the first time he ever put on a command uniform, someone said that to him. You know, it's like, hey, you know, your flesh just makes that red pop. <laughs> 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 I don't know, that goes well like with your like, green uh, eyes <laughs> and
0: yellow eyes. That sounds like a basis for some kind of um, uh, racist lawsuit or something, (laughs) you know, in in the workplace. Right, right, Mm -hmm. right. Now, I uh, I think like what they
2: did with with Deanna, they kind of made Deanna and Beverly they made them look more homely looking. (laughs) They got you know, (laughs) that's what (laughs) happens
1: when when you age. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's what happens when
2: you get older.
0: You know, but Ricard gets
2: Ricard gets the you know the cool sexy goatee. You know, he grows his hair out a little bit, and then yeah, Crusher and um. Th- they just all look homely.
1: Picard kind of got the <laughs> Colonel Sanders thing going. <laughs> <laughs> it is probably it's the first time have seen... Other- oh, go ahead. sorry. No, go ahead. Let's see, it's probably the first time we've seen, even though it's not a reality or whatever, it's probably the first time we've seen Deanna in the traditional blue uniform that we don't see until much later in the series.
0: Yeah, she's going to start doing that a little more often when she does her command training, right? Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think the only... Is the only other time we see data in that red uniform is redemption when he's
1: right? Oh uh, yeah, I I don't know that he's actually wearing the red uniform though in that is he? He's oh he's not. I don't I don't think maybe so. maybe maybe not. Uh, listeners, <laughs> let us know. <laughs> I remember that's like a classic thing I remember the action figures they sold in the 90s and stuff anything they could get away with like that you know they'd be uh, uh, data from whatever episode just because they could color they could put on the red yeah. piece with the Easy piece to. his head well that
0: was one of the three figures uh, or, or I'm sure I'm boring some people but that, that was the redemption data was one of the three figures that was only they only made 1,701, oh, 1701. Yeah, uh-huh. it was redemption data Barkley from projections and oh, Patrick Ricard. Tapestry Picard, yep, yeah, yeah. So they those were super limited, and of course they were really expensive at the deal at all the conventions. And then eventually they put them in a little, you know, mass-produced box set together, and ticked off all the collectors. So Riker has a has a son. Hmm. It's, it's um. <sighs> It feels weird, but I think it feels weird because it's gotta feel weird. I don't think that yeah. they did anything wrong. I think it's just gonna feel weird because Riker doesn't have a son. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. Um, so yeah, I thought
2: they played it very well. I mean, I think you know um, Riker's reactions and his um, to his new son, and you know, just just that whole situation. I thought they played it off pretty well. You know, I like that. That scene with um, him and Crusher after you know his son breaks his arm or whatever, and that whole discussion they have. He's like, "Yep, I don't, all things be this is like my first day being a dad. What do you want, what do you want <laughs> from me?" So um, yeah, I like that. Structurally,
0: scene. it's not an episode, but there, it does a lot of things right that I, like I like that bit. For mm-hmm. the first time we kind of see Riker really showing any doubts. His son gets injured. You know, mm-hmm. it like changes his changes his, his attention. Mm-hmm. Um And obviously, now that we know the kid is the one running the show, um he's trying to do things to to bond with, with Riker, yeah um, but those are the kind of little things that um, <clears throat> excuse me those are the kind of little things that that work that, that I like, um but you know, as I said, the kind of kind of the problem structurally, it is weird that because then we, we once we flip from. Enterprise to the Romulan prison. Um, I'm less interested. And then mm-hmm. when we flip to the cave, I'm even less interested in, in that. So it's it's really the fun of seeing this, you know, not exactly an alternate timeline, but effectively alternate timeline. Um, and kind of figuring out the mystery. But it is kind of for one brief moment, I was thinking about like when he's trying to when he's in his quarters and he's, in and, he's and he's trying to pull up the footage um, of his wife. I mean, it's crazy to think about the possibility of lo- let's say losing you know 16 years of your memory, and you would, you would you would completely lose the memory of this woman that you met, had a relationship with, fell in love with, got married or whatever, uh, had a child, and then she died. Mm-hmm. You know and to just wipe that out of your memory, start to finish mm-hmm. is is crazy, and it's almost it's almost worse than having a partial
1: memory to me you know yeah it's it's very it's, it's, it's really weird it's kind of mind warping and the thing is that's that really happens i mean I, you know obviously people experience amnesia, but also of course with like Alzheimer's and those kind of situations mm-hmm. i mean this is this is reality you know for some people.
0: Yeah, I, um, I can't imagine looking at a picture of, you know, you with this loved one and not remembering them. Right. That's, that's
1: really
2: no that's feeling frightening.
0: Anything. Yeah, it's frightening.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, on a side note, I did um, I did kind of, I enjoyed the, the, I guess, so this episode takes place in real time, pretty much. It all takes place in an hour. That's kind of what I got from the end of the episode. When they said, yeah, when I
1: think Picard you're right. says yeah, it's yeah, been an hour since we've, mm-hmm.
2: we've Said so. I was thinking, made me think well, of
0: obviously, Picard's obviously accounting for
1: commercial breaks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we um, they, during the breaks, they were like going to the bathroom and stuff, you know. So, right? <laughs> <laughs>
2: Are there, I couldn't make me think, I couldn't think of any other episodes that were in real time. I'm sure there is at least
1: one. Um, yeah, it's pretty rare. Yeah, I bet there's rare. some original
0: series like, yeah. um. Corbin Might maneuver maybe balance of terror i bet there's some original series stuff that's uh, yeah, sure sure. effectively real time
2: what well, a couple episodes ago we had what an episode that carried over like months now we have we had a, here, a
1: conversation about how that was bizarre yeah, yeah. do you think um, this um,
2: do you i i kind of felt a little bit flat at the very i kind of do you think this episode would have been helped with a little bit better conclusion um maybe something on the enterprise or something i, I I don't know, just them beaming up. I don't know. Um, what do you guys think? We, could it have had a better ending? Or Honestly,
0: one thing that hurt to me was just a guy in a suit. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, that, that
0: was kind of... Yeah, the, the, the costume the guy is wearing as Garrosh is <laughs> it's pretty crappy. I mean, it looks like something out of a 50s sci-fi movie. Yeah. It's really yeah, awesome it kind of looks like, like
1: a fly. A fly ahead. It, it's unfortunate, too, because it takes you out of it. I mean, the, the notion, yeah. and we'll get to what it's about, but the notion of you know why why he did this why this barrage did this and you know okay I can f- see this and you buy it and then there seemed to be a you know Riker buys it and accepts that that's going on and that's cool and now here's here's me for real and I look like a praying mantis or whatever and you totally <laughs> takes you out of it and okay let's go I'm ahead. not yeah just to be
0: clear we're not complaining that it
1: he because look he human. looks weird or alien
0: we're complaining because the costume is cheap and looks like a costume Yes. You know, I think it was right and good that he was not human looking. That's, yeah, that's of cool. It just needed to be something that you didn't want to laugh at. Yeah. You know, <laughs> <laughs> and it was funny too, in my research, I couldn't find a single person who even mentioned that yet. Yeah, it sounds like all three of us had the same thought, yeah, yeah. but nobody else, nobody <laughs> seemed to think that except, <laughs>
2: anyway. I guess you could say, I kind of got the same. Remember that episode, um, I think it was in season one or two where Wesley, uh, you know, that the first girl he falls in love with and they had those silly costumes oh, with yes. creatures. Yeah. I kind of got that same feeling.
0: I love uh, one other thing I wanted to mention real quick. I love that the way that I love each scene where they where there's they're giving Riker the first hints on the Enterprise where something's amiss. Starting something about in that, that scene when with the trombone Uh, And his son, you know, is one of the first ones. There's some little subtle musical cues and little looks on Riker's face. Mm -hmm. Um, But on the other hand, I love that we get there in a pretty organic way because he does very quickly kind of buy it when he's in sickbay and Crusher's explaining to him it, explaining it to him. And frankly, why shouldn't he? You know, it's it's crazy, but it's less crazy than the alternative explanations. You know, so it's fair that he does. even when he when he's seeing Picard and and in something like Caesar, like you were mentioning, and he's saying, "Hey, I'm not fit for duty." Uh, this is kind of crazy, but Picard says, "No, you need to do this." And even then, you know, okay, well, I mean, it makes sense why he's saying that. And, and you know, Starfleet first, okay. Uh, anyway, I'm just saying that it, it seems like it gets fair that it go, the way it gets from there to Riker figuring it out is organic and natural, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like. Uh, I like those moments, and I love that ultimately what clues him in to the fact that this is fake is seeing uh, Minuet in that video, mm-hmm. which is cool, by the way, too. That means they brought that actress back to shoot, like, one shot where she doesn't even yeah. line.
1: Yeah. That's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's a little bit inside because you not see you I mean by the end there's an explanation, but at that moment if you never saw that episode, you'll be like, Okay, what's yeah. the big deal?
0: Yeah, and that was three years earlier. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um So yes. Yeah, so, so I I really I really enjoy that. Uh we're probably going over on this one. So uh what's it about?
1: Well, I think it's kinda of summed up with the, it's that notion of for me, it's the notion of the motivation of barrage. It's that you can have anything you want if you had anything you want you still will be missing something if you if you have no contact without companionship so I mean I think that's as we've said before when it's when it's kind of centers on a guest character you know that can be problematic but because it's Riker on this journey with him the whole time I think that takes that that kind of softens that a little bit so um, it's it's
0: in a way we don't we don't advance Riker's character very much. Like, he doesn't really change very much, but we get insight into Riker mm-hmm. as a character. We yeah. get insight. That scene between him and Jean-Luc Barash, Ethan, whatever the heck his name is, um, in the Tribolift, when he's like, you know, my dad wasn't there for me. I don't want to make that mistake. You know, we get insight into him yeah. as a character that also kind of validates this episode's existence, even for our primary characters exclusively. Mm-hmm. Caesar?
2: Yeah, I was going to say the same thing about um, the scene in the turbo lift where he's talking about I never thought about being a father. And, you know, he kind of went through that the whole barrage of, of, of his fears and everything that he was telling um, his son. So, that whole barrage uh, of fears. Barrage. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so, um, yeah, I kind of, yeah, you get a lot of insight um, into to Riker, what he's thinking and how he feels and that kind of thing. So... That has a, lot to, uh, has a lot to do with it. I think, you know, you have Riker kind of, and obviously you would be, he's questioning his identity at that point in time. Pretty much, you know, who am I? You know, I'm this person. Everybody sees me as this person, but I still see myself as this other person. So in a lot of ways, he was kind of going through a little bit of an um, identity crisis there going on. So um, you said, I don't know if it advances his character, but we get, like we do, we do get a lot of insight into how Riker, what kind of person Riker is and how he thinks and that sort of thing.
0: Cool. Alright, well let's move on to six degrees for future imperfect. Uh Adam, you're in the lead with one to nothing. Would you like to go first or second?
2: Um uh, I'll go first.
0: Patty Yasutake makes her first appearance as Nurse Lisa Ogawa. Did I pronounce her last name correctly? Yasutake? That would be my best guess, but I'm not sure. Right. Uh, so she makes her first appearance as Nurse Alyssa Ogawa. Oh, my screen saver game on. Sorry. <laughs> in how many episodes will she appear, appear as this character in its multiple choice? So in how many episodes does Patty appear as Nurse Alyssa Ogawa? Is it 16, 20, or 22?
2: Uh, I will say, I'll go, but I'll go say 20.
0: No, um, I don't know if I should pass this one over. Uh, I'll pass it over. Steve? Mm, sixteen. You're correct, sixteen. Uh, Andreas Katsulas returns as Romulan Ambassador Tomalak. Steve, there is one significant difference between this and Katsulas's other three performances as the character. What did those other three appearances have in common that was different about this one? Pretty significant. <laughs>
1: Um. Hmm. Uh, in a general sense, huh? Okay. Um,
0: when I say the answer, it'll be obvious. But uh,
1: I mean, he he would. He's not real here. Or I don't. I don't know.
0: I think one of his other appearances that was also true. So I will okay. not take that as an answer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Adam. So what is the difference? So
2: he's got three total appearances, right?
0: No, yes, four, and four? this one is has a significant difference between the other three.
2: Um, is it a different actor?
0: No, uh, okay. all three other times that Andreas played Tomloc, he was only seen on the view screen. This is the first mm. and only time we see him walking around.
1: Okay okay interesting.
0: Right. So I don't know was that was that an unfair question? I don't know
1: That's That's
0: interesting. So, no okay, all right, so it's one to one, moving on.. Wow.
1: Final Mission Season four episode nine production number one hundred eighty three original air date december second, nineteen ninety. Directed by Corey Allen, story by Casey Arnold Inz, teleplay by Casey Arnold Ince and Jerry Taylor, music composed by Ron Jones. Guest cast include Nick Tate as Durgo, Kim Hamilton as Sonji, and Mary Conert as Tess Allenby. <laughs>
2: Picard card summons Wesley Crusher to the bridge where he informs him that he has been accepted to Starfleet Academy. He further honors Wesley by asking him to accompany him on a final mission to help mediate a mining dispute. Traveling with a representative of the dispute, Dorado in his dil- dilapidated shuttle, upon which the shuttle fails, forcing an emergency landing on a desert-like moon. In the past three years.
1: I've lived more Than most people do in a lifetime I think I'm very lucky No matter what happens How many people Get to serve With Jean-Luc Picard
0: Final mission Now do you guys remember Had you heard that um, That Wes was that, That Whedon was leaving the show I don't recall were you glad that he left the show? How did you feel about it at the time? Do you remember that?
1: Mm. Given that I don't have much memory, I think I may have been indifferent.
0: And mm. I, I think that, that's what I thought too, was that Caesar. Yeah, I was kind of indifferent about it as well.
2: Um.
0: I think it's maybe it's because for a while, I mean, there've just been a lot of episodes that he's he's either not in or he doesn't do much in. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, so that made it. I mean, this is like the first Wesley episode we've had.
1: In a long time. Well, it's kind of like know, you know. That. I don't know if it's a, a thing with Trek or not, but you know, we kind of talked a little bit about how it was very difficult to have you know solid episodes like with Jake in Deep Space Nine, for example. I think there's yeah. there's something to do with with the with young characters, young actors. It's very difficult to integrate them in with everyone else, and it feel like you know they're I don't I don't know what it is, but they just, they feel a little bit secondary, you know, compared to the other characters.
0: Well, in DS Nine, they were able to, and and you're right. It is, they had a similar problem, but it was, wasn't was as extreme. I mean, they did a better
1: job mm-hmm, with mm-hmm. it. And
0: I think it's because they spent more time simply analyzing the relationship between Cisco and his son. And maybe that's, maybe that's because Jake was younger, I guess, when the show mm-hmm. started, right? Right, right. At least the character was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. So there was more room for him to grow. Um, but, <laughs> I mean, we never, we never got episodes. Even like, Explorers, you know, in on this, on next gen for Wesley.
2: Well, I think, um, um, well, you know, the the ship has come. I think the difference between you know the Enterprise and obviously Deep Space Nine is there was you had there was a little more open storytelling on Deep Space Nine. You could do a lot more with Jake. He could kind of get into you know, and he wasn't a. A different character. He wasn't. He wasn't wanting to become a Starfleet officer. So there was. Uh, to me, there was more room to grow with the character of Jake um, Wesley. You know. You know. There's only so many things you can do with a kid who just wants to become a Starfleet officer who's aboard a ship. I don't know. I think. Um, I. I. You know. What's funny is I kind of like the Wesley shows that we're going to see going forward because obviously he's going to come back several times and it's going to be. And I like those episodes. More that Wesley's in because it's it's outside of um, the box I and mean, he you get to see him grow outside of what he was in.
0: Yeah, in many ways, it's the same thing that happened with um, Denise Crosby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, when they would bring after she left the show, when they bring her back, she got to her best stuff ever.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> you know, like I always remember the game that that might be my favorite Wesley
1: episode. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: um. So. <clears throat> Yeah, the title of this episode, Final Mission, nobody ever thought that meant Picard was dying, did you?
1: No. Uh, no.
0: I don't know why. I kind of wondered about that. Um, but that was nothing. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, you know, it, it's so rare for us to see them shooting on location that it's true, especially on Blu-ray, and looking at it nice and high def for the first time ever. All that desert stuff. Really pretty and just and just... It's nice. We're, we we see so many sets on this show, you know. We just don't see the outside stuff very often. Mm-hmm. So it really stands out when they're on location. Mm-hmm. I mean, massively so. And, and um, it's 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 almost oddly striking. Oh my God! They're in a desert. <laughs> you compare that to like any other show. <laughs> They, they took the cameras outside big look. yeah you know? yeah like i mean, the sunflowers
2: flares are great too you know they're shooting in the sun you yeah know. They, they
0: really they really kept giving us those didn't they <laughs> you
2: know? who says who says jj was the first one yeah. to introduce
1: it's like players. they just dis- <laughs> they discovered them there or something it's like look what happens here when we yeah because <laughs> <laughs> they never shoot outside. yeah but you know on, i don't want to get negative about it but the the b story thing i think in general it gets kind of plodding along, and it, and I think it's Steve, not help-
0: Are you telling me that you were not excited about the garbage scow?
1: No, Look, no. I, when it, I just it, say those
0: words, that doesn't elicit excitement. Garbage scow.
1: And and yeah. it doesn't help that it you for most of it you don't even buy what's going on. I mean, if the fact that okay we got to navigate it through a asteroid belt and that's and you, they say that so you can understand why they don't just push it away and leave. But most of the time you don't see the asteroid belt, so you're wondering like and, and then the, the the thing they always do that cracks me up with the radiation where it's like all right you're ten oh, seconds right. away from lethal and then you go away and everyone's fine. It's like there's no progress. It's just like in ten seconds everyone will drop dead or something and they don't want to get sick. You know <laughs> that's it's crazy. Not-
0: yeah, yeah it really makes sense.
2: Well, the whole premise from the get-go is well, first of all, why would they? Why would they fly off in this crappy shuttle? Why wouldn't they just take their own shuttle? And then, kind of, I, I kind of agree with Steve about this other emergency. You know, you got these, you got this planet who obviously has advanced technology. They can communicate between star systems, yet they don't have a, any ways or means of getting rid of a ship that's kind of. I don't know. Just seemed kind of farfetched to me as well.
0: Well, honestly, even the A story. The story is not, yeah, not original by any. Um, not only have we seen uh, we're, we're stuck on the planet. We need you know we got to survive. Our ship on the planet. We need to survive. Not only we've we seen that a million times. We've seen it a million times on Star Trek. Even at this point, we've we've seen it in Next Gen already more than once. Yeah. Um, so just the, the story of, of neither the A nor the B is particularly particularly. Well, it's interesting. the performances in the A that are. But good. the performances in the A story are really good. You know, you've got uh, what's his name, Nick Tate. Is, is, does a great job as, as Jergo, Um and obviously uh, Stuart and, and Whedon, uh do a, a great job um, and that's what keeps it that's what keeps it moving um, but yeah the, the B story is the B story is lame enough that like the last time they went back to it I'm like I didn't need this they should have had yeah. one less and given me another scene uh, in the cave or something but you know if we get past the, the and I, I mean I'm not trying to dismiss it, the, the fact that the story isn't particularly interesting, interesting in either A or B is in itself is enough to prevent is to keep this from can keep will keep this from being a great episode. It's not a great episode, but it's a good episode, and it's this is the most important part to me. It's an entirely satisfying departure for Wesley Crusher, mm-hmm. uh, in a way that I cannot say about. Yar, for example,
1: yeah, 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 yeah. Um.
0: So I I always remember this for what it is, you know, Wes's last, you know, Wheaton's last regular appearance on the show. Um, and I'm glad they did it as right. I guess is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Um.
2: Well, we get that. We get all that. That final conclusion of you know we've always it's always been kind of like a subtle thing that wesley looks up to picard as a father figure and that kind of thing and in this episode we get the um we get that picard kind of feels the same way that he, he he he's proud of wesley and maybe not i wouldn't go as far as picard thinks of him as a son but as close as you can get And so that there's that mutual respect and love that these both these characters have for each other, and you kind of you don't you know they talk about the episode where you know where they were flying in the shuttle when Picard had to get the Mm -hmm. heart transplant. You don't get any of that in that episode, and that's where you get this episode where these characters really, really do bond and they really do care about each other more than just you know people who work together. So um, I was a little
0: surprised to hear to hear Wesley tell Picard. Um, everything I've done, yeah, right. all of this has been to because I want you to be proud of me.
1: I made a note of that too, and I was thinking that's that might be a little step too far. I'd have trouble buying that from what we've seen historically.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah, it probably was a little over too. Especially what a couple episodes we got his, his whole father thing, and yeah, I could see that.
0: Um, <clears throat> I got one thing I just got to say. At the end, it it just seemed like at the very, very end, right, Um, Beverly is speaking to Wesley. Wesley, wake up, wake up. And then (laughs) kind of wakes up. Uh, And then we see they're carrying Picard away. Picard is (laughs) already... On the stretcher, he's on the stretcher. He's got some kind of medical thing on his arm. They've obviously been there for some time. Preparing they just wanted to hard. let him sleep, you know. He looked tired, <laughs> they just, but they didn't wake him up. They didn't even <laughs> wake Wesley up. They didn't <laughs> just let him sleep. I don't <laughs> look
2: tired. Let's just let him get some rest, you know. <laughs> I know he was my same. son,
0: but I pulled out my tricorder. My tricorder said he's fine, so let's let him yeah. sleep. No, we don't have to wake him. We'll wake up before we leave, though. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Wesley had some of Durgo's
1: booze or something. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, she just, <laughs> yeah, logically and without passion shows up, wait a moment, <laughs> and then scans, and we're showing asleep asleep and slightly intoxicated, just let him be. Let's get the stretcher going. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh,
2: to me, why would they even bother with the yeah. stretcher? Why would they just beam him out from there? That's a good point. Um, maybe, the, maybe the rocks prevent it. Yeah, I'm sure there's some... Right, there's the, some rocks the, the rocks, grabbing the rocks, you know, like they the, always say. The sentry <laughs> prevents it. Um,
0: the
2: magical sentry prevents like, the
0: rocks. I like that, the, the the bit about there's this, like, force field over the water. I always thought that was kind of cool. I always kind of remembered that. Yeah. Um, you know, and Wesley so has to kind of, gives Wesley something to do there to figure it out. Um, but uh, yeah, I guess it's not a lot to talk about. You know, we get we basically get that one scene where Wesley's at Picard's side and and has his great bits, and then and then Picard tells Wesley ab- about uh, I love Picard's when he he tells Wesley about Boothby, which is the first time we've heard about Boothby, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and he has that line, "I envy you just beginning the adventure." Yeah, there's something. Um, Something really wonderful about just that one line. It's at the yeah. same time beautiful, you know, maybe a little bit melancholy, um, wistful. I, I'm, it's, it's, it's my favorite little line in the whole episode. It doesn't even have a lot to do with the episode, really. But I always it's, I always remember that, that one line. Stuart
2: delivers yeah. it really well, too. You know? yeah. yeah,
0: you can feel the, a lifetime of experience um, uh, in that sentence. Yeah, yeah that's Stuart.
2: Yeah, he, he knows um, what he's doing a little bit.
1: <laughs> yeah. he, he's pretty, pretty decent. Yeah. Yeah, they should keep him. Yeah. Guy's got a future. <laughs> uh, what's
0: this episode about? Um, Garbage scows.
2: <laughs> I guess it would say coming of age to me. You know, it's like he's moving on, you know, kind of thing. It's kind of what I got. Yeah. In a nutshell.
1: Yeah, I had trouble coming up with something particularly distinct, but yeah, I mean, yeah, you get that vibe of of transitions in life, and you know, the, the acknowledging where you've been, you know, looking forward to where you're going, but acknowledging where you've been, and and it took a, essentially a disaster for these two to say some of the things they would have said if it wasn't for this. They would have had a formal you know, goodbye, and that would have been it. So, I don't know, there's a lot of little things like that.
0: Well, as Picard says to Wesley, you will be missed. But... (laughs) (laughs) We were all apparently indifferent
2: about his departure, so... Well. We knew it wasn't really going to be the end. I mean, it wasn't like, we all, I mean, it's not like it was a big shocker. I mean, you know, we all knew he was going to go to Starfleet eventually. It wasn't like, you know, it wasn't, like I said, it wasn't like Yar. It's like, oh, hey, the next episode, and then she's dead. Um, it's kind of been, it, to me, it was kind of in the works that he was going to be leaving at some point anyway. So, you know, I think in, the, what, in season three, they kind of put it off for a year. So.
0: Well, I think we covered this one. Yes. So a, a satisfactory departure for the character. One yeah. of the weakest of the three episodes we've discussed today, but still good and yeah. uh, enjoyable and narratively important for Star Trek. Um you know, and it is it is clearly trying to be about something. So it holds up in this way. All right, uh, I believe our score is 1 to 1. Mhm. Yeah. Let's do 6 degrees for final mission. Oh, gosh. Um, Steve, you going first or second? I'll go first. This marks Will Wheaton's final regular appearance on Next Gen, though he will return as a guest star. In how many episodes will he do so? Two, four, or six?
1: Hmm. Is it four?
0: You are correct, it was four. For bonus points, can you name them?
1: Um, I could probably come up with Some of them, but certainly not all of them, so no. The game, The First Duty, Parallels, and Journey's End.
0: Hmm. Uh, Show off. Let's see if you can tie it up for the day. (laughs) Nick Tate plays Captain Durgo, the ship's captain that thinks his phaser can solve his water problem. In DS9's sixth season, he played Liam Bilby in the episode Honor Among Thieves. Bilby was a member of what organization? The Orion Syndicate. You are correct. It was the Ryan Syndicate. A rare tie for the day, gentlemen. <laughs> Everybody's a winner. Right. <laughs> Everybody's a winner.
1: Or everyone's right. a loser. from <laughs> <our> my perspective. <laughs>
0: well, folks, um, so we're coming up near the end of the year here. Uh, and longtime listeners will recall every year we do a, we take a break where we do a holiday episode, which is kind of our chance to tell some star trek holiday stories or whatever we want to talk about um we are going to do that again this year but two weeks from now we are going to have our normal a normal episode where we discuss the next three episodes of next gen but then two weeks after that so toward the end of december we'll have our holiday episode so just want to give you guys a heads up and also if any of our listeners if you have a star trek a holiday-ish story or even just a fun Star Trek story. It doesn't even matter. Uh be thinking about it, you can send it in to us. Um I'll give you more details in two weeks, but you know, basically if you record some a short audio segment, we'll put it on the podcast, or you can send us an email and we'll read it. You know, if you want. But we'll talk more about that in a couple weeks. Um for now you can follow us on twitter that's at trek companion our facebook listener page is facebook.com slash trek companion you can send us an e- email trek companion at gmail.com um, thanks again uh, for sharing the hour with us and happy thanksgiving until uh, next time take it easy happy turkey day bye see you I passed it.